get yeah. it. All right, welcome to the Palette Podcast. As always, I'm Patrick, and today I have with me NB Austin. Now, NB, can I call you by your first name, or do you want to go by NB? Yeah, Nick is fine. Yeah. Okay, I am with Nick. So, for those who don't know who Nick is, um, he has not uh, he's not running the mainstream with all these uh, interviews like your Tom Cowens and your Andrew Kaufmans and all those types of players in this uh, modern day. Uh, let's just say liter- literary warfare <laughs> or uh, research warfare that we're experiencing. Um, but he has written um, this behemoth here and he reached out to me. It's called Stranger Than Fiction. He reached out to me uh, saying, hey, man, would you be interested in reading my book and talking about it? And I'm always down to take on new things. Um, and he says, sure, why not? And I can assure you, that once he decides to release this, this sh- honestly should be in everybody's house. And you'll understand why once we start getting into it, it has everything to do with the last two years and very specific to the last two years and taking every bit of detail, words, people says, statements, all this stuff and compiling it into a nice book for all of us to then read for ourselves, but then hopefully share with others, uh, especially more so with people questioning what the is going on. So uh on that note man what is up what's up hey yeah thanks thanks again for having me on man i'm pumped to be here like you said um i haven't been around the block i guess as far as uh the uh online community yet beyond really as you guys as some of people who watch this will know me as olive tree or old wise bear um i've been working with olive tree bear on some music stuff so that's kind of been my i guess intro to the internet you could say but um hopefully now with this with this book coming out yeah i'll probably be doing more of this so i'm pumped to talk about uh everything and anything that has to do with it well first and foremost let's just because i think um your background and what it is that you do for a living will help set this stage and i only started real quick with that because i know people no matter what side of this spectrum people are on everyone's still looking for credentials everyone's like well what do you know and we all know today that, you know, it doesn't take much to go look and see and do some research on your own, but your background plays a pivotal role in also what it is that we're talking about. So do you want to dive into that real quick? Yeah. So professionally, I'm a uh, health care data analyst, I guess you could say. That's kind of the, the overarching. It's, it's called an actuary. People call it an actuary. Um, that's basic. Basically, it's a person who analyzes the risk behind morbidity and mortality. Um, I've been doing it for coming up on probably a decade now. And yeah, the the funny thing, the funny thing is is like during, uh, during the COVID era specifically, you know, you would think people would look for credentials, right? You'd think like people would be like, Oh, maybe this person has something insightful to say about it. And that, and one of the things that kind of inspired me to write the book is like, that was not the case at all. Not, not at all. I, I would say, you know, you, the, the bottom line though, I guess that I'm trying to get at is like, you got to build trust also. Right. And as a, and one of the things I talk about a lot in the book is like in my career, in, in any science related career, you wouldn't normally, or you wouldn't ever uh, say, trust me because this is my credentials. Right. You would say, this is my credentials. Now, let me explain to you why I think X about Y, 
And then you, it would have to make sense to the person you're explaining it to. If it doesn't make sense, you just disregard it, right? Like if I say something here that makes no sense at all, even about my expertise, like you just forget it. You just be like, okay, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But that didn't happen at all in, in 2020 and beyond. And so for me, being in that career, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, like people that are, that were in my career were just ignoring standards of practice and stuff. And, you know, you, you just look at that and you're like, someone has to tell the story. Right. You know, and people are, I think the conscious is ri- Consciousness is rising around um, COVID and that kind of, and health in general not, now more than ever. Um, but again, you know, just based on that experience, yeah, I, I felt like I was in a pretty unique position to be able to kind of say what happened and especially with the censorship, you know, make sure that it got told. Cause there were times while I was writing it where I was like, maybe none of this stuff will ever be like maybe 10 years from now. Right. No one will ever know that people like us existed who like disagreed with what's happened. Like, you know, like that didn't, that, re- that it didn't make any sense to. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, my background on where I come from. For sure, I can only imagine the uh, the frustration and confusion in your field, seeing the people around you being like, "Does no yeah. one fucking see this?" Um, especially if you're <laughs> on a daily basis, man. But um, you know, I, I don't want I, I want people to read the book, but I also think it's important to uh, just kind of show people what it is that you're bringing to the table. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, I did pull stuff that I think that might be interesting. Um, and one thing that I did notice, and I'm very, uh, I, uh, for those who might be skeptical reading these books, you cite everything after in each chapter, you cite every point that you're making and where it's coming from. So like any good researcher, you know, people can go and look that up. People can go and take that step further if they choose to. Um, so you have quite a few in each, just each chapter you're looking you know, sometimes some over 60 plus citation, you know, citations in one, one chapter, which for me, um, you know, have I gone and looked up each citation? No. Uh, but I do know cross-referencing based off of other things I've researched, you're bringing documents and, or, uh, statements that have been brought up that in other places that I've read. Um, so for me, there is a validity to that 100%. Um, but I bring that up just because, as you're writing, I know you made a point of saying, you know, I have my opinions, my views, but I just want to try to give you what was said or what is out yeah. there. And then you make your decision. Yeah. So if you want to just Yeah, I mean, more than anything, this is a history book. It's not, you know, because especially like what, what we'll get into kind of, I'm sure with some of your questions is like in the first half of the book, especially there's more. Uh, there's, there's some science, right. But in the, in that first half, like I assume I I go with their assumption. I take like, you know, Jim Bob's approach to space, right? Like he's, he works with their assumptions and he explains why even in their paradigm, it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So like in this case, you know, you have germ theory and terrain theory and the truth maybe is, is somewhere maybe in the middle or completely to terrain theory. In my opinion, it's one, it's either in the middle or to terrain theory, but I, you know, dissect it from the perspective of germ, like of the going assumption and, and see whether that makes sense or not. 
Right. Uh, that's peppered in those things. That kind of view is peppered in to just the history, right? Because, like for like I said, for the most part, I just want wanted to say what did like what these people, what they did say, and what they did do, and and just no, not much. There's not much opinion in there. You know, every now and then, like I said, I'll pepper some in, like my opinions and and how I analyze analyze some of it. Um, Absolutely. Well, let, can I can I just interject? Yeah. I, I want to take kind of to get the ball rolling. Um, sure. You, you take your in the beginning of the book on page eight. You start talking about, and I just want. I'm just um, building on what you just said. You talk about uh, yeah. COVID per hundred population as of September 2021 uh, with Peru, Hungary, Bosnia, and uh, what is it? Herzegovina? Govina? Um, anyway, do you want to uh, Your guess on? is as good as mine, how to pronounce that. <laughs> you want to, if you can recall, can you maybe yeah. elaborate on that whole statistics? Because what you're doing is you're bringing the stats into it, your field of work, and showing directly how this doesn't make sense. I'll let you go. Yeah. So yeah, during the, I mean, during the lockdown period, you know, you could just look at any, any of the states that had the most strict uh, rules. Right. And so you can find um, there's sources that I cited in there where, where it'll show like over time, a stringency score for, for each country and it'll show how it changes over time. And that stringency score is based on, you know, a bunch of different criteria, whether it's probably, you know, masks, social distancing, uh, just whatever the most in, intense measures were that it'll go from like zero to a hundred. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can look at the top three as far as stringency, which I think were those are were those three, like Peru, Bosnia, Herzegovina, or however you say it. And uh, whatever the third one was, and you just compare that to the, to the deaths per a hundred thousand. And you just, it's pretty straightforward. Like, you know, that wouldn't in, in a world where you don't have, a treatment right because they refused to acknowledge any kind of treatment because their goal was you know uh inoculations uh in a world where you don't have any treatment like that's your only thing you can control right is how how much did they, what kind of measures did they take as far as those as lockdowns and those kind of things and like the ones that had the most strict lockdowns had the most had the highest death tolls and that's not you can't explain that right you can't explain that away there's nothing to explain that away with. Um, you, you can try to say, you know, you can try to control for as many variables as you want, but that shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. And, you know, I go in, in a later chapter, I go into a lot more on why that kind of came about and, and how they, uh, the, their models specifically, like there was a, a Gates funded group called Imperial College London that built out these models that said, like, if you, locked down it'll save this many lives right mm -hmm. and you know that kind of thing could be true and it could not be true right you know if i say you know if i assume right uh that if that let's say like if we talk for three hours we'll be smarter by 10 percent, right that that's assuming we talk about something intelligent right <laughs> we might talk about the dumbest thing and we might talk about going to space right <laughs> but uh but yeah, so um, you have to, your assumptions absolutely guide like what will actually take place. And if they're assuming that, you know, shutting people inside is a healthy thing, which it's obviously not. I mean, you don't, 
it, it doesn't really require a ton of science to realize that if you just stay inside all day, you know, you're not getting vitamin D, you're not exercising probably as much. There's just not uh, as much health activity going on at all. Um, you're not going to get healthy. And so like, if you just look, yeah, like I said, if you just look at the outcomes, you can kind of see that that, that wasn't the case. And the U S is the best example because the U S I think in by 2020 they accounted for like 20% of the deaths and like 4% of the population of the world. So that's not a viral pandemic. That's, that's it. That can't possibly be a viral pandemic that it wouldn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Well, I want to just, cause I, I do want to jump around because I want people to get yep. excited about the book. Um, you put in here a quote from John Hopkins in January, 2022. It's a meta analysis. Do you know the, the quote I'm talking about? Yeah, it's just straight up says basically that the lockdowns were a complete failure. They didn't. And the two things that, you know, you would look at to figure out whether they worked or not is did they stop uh, disease and did they ha- like basically risk benefit, right? Was there how much benefit was there and what were the consequences? And there was no benefit. There were consequences. So that, and that's pretty much what Johns Hopkins said. Yeah. And then let's take that a step further. Um, you yeah. literally start this first chapter and just so those who know, you might jump around, but I'm kind of going chapter by chapter, just hitting yep. essential points. Where did this whole idea of lockdowns come from? You put this like in the first. Yeah. yeah. It came from a, like, I think, I don't know how old she was. It was a child's, a little girl's science fair project uh, that literally her dad had something, he had some kind of health position in the Bush administration. And from there, that's when they, I guess, started theorizing about the idea to add this as like a, a measure to prevent pandemics, which is hilarious. I mean, and I, I tried to, I tried to be funny in certain places too. I mean, a little bit of like, are you, are you joking in certain places? I did, again, I didn't want this book to be like a, too negative kind of thing or like how dare these people but it's just it's just is what it is this is what they did they they listened to a 14 year old girl and they were like yeah let's shut people inside and close gyms and And, and, it'll work (laughs) you just re-clarify or clarify you did say that father had some sort of uh connections with the you said the bush administration so there is a political connection at that time yeah so for those who also know yeah, he, yeah, go on, go on. No, yeah, I was just going to repeat. Yeah, he had basically like some a role in that in right. the Bush administration. Yeah, She's, she has like a David Hogg effect in lockdowns. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, babies in incubators or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this is all, and this is just, it, this was blowing my mind as I'm reading this because it's, you know, like you said, this is a history book mindset more than it is your opinion so as i'm reading this going you know and always even though i you know we're in the bear community together i'm like there's still always speculations like okay is this true so that one i did go and look up the resource and i'm like no shit and mainstream media admitted it i think it was dr wasn't dr oz it was the other tv doctor he he was the one that like was talking about it so right unless he's lying i don't know maybe he's and it just, and I think a lot of it comes to, there's a sense of lying, but then there's also a sense of deception. And I think deception is really what we're dealing yeah. with is it's time and time again, 
looking at what is presented and looking at for the truth, the nuggets of truth, you know what I mean? And that's, that's where uh, it gets dicey for a lot of people because if someone's being deceiving, you know, the, uh, the energetic exchange is on you rather than the other person. Cause you can, well, and I would say, I would say there too, you know, like, even if it's decept, even if it's deception, right? Like, even if they're trying to, let's say they're trying to pin the blame on a 14 year old, right? I don't blame the 14 year old. No, I, <laughs> I still think they should go to jail forever for, for oh, li- even if, even if, even if they're, uh, you know, even if that's not true, it's either it's cause it's either the 14 year old or they just decided to lock people down themselves. So, I mean, right. Yeah. But, but they're saying it's a 14 year old, which is just as bad. In my opinion. So, I mean, it just goes to show you the people uh, you're dealing with yeah. in the sense of, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not taking blame for this. It was this girl's. Yeah. And they do that a lot. Yeah. 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 Her for, and say, and by the way, she only got a B minus on this. So like, if you want to follow that, <laughs> and you're like, really dude. <laughs> um, one, one thing I to jump around, um, you, and I love, and the reason why I love your book is because I also like to read a lot of like the literary journals or the, this research publications. I do, especially in the last two years, I've read a lot of it. Uh, my fiance is in the medical field. Yeah. I read a lot of stuff in regards to training on like pre postnatal. So I like to read this stuff. I enjoy the reads. Nice. Um, so when you're like, oh, it's just sciencey stuff, I'm like, perfect. Um, but you did post, <laughs> uh, you did write about on one of your pages or uh, in the first chapter about the uh, British Medical Journal, which is a pretty renowned medical journal. Um, and they specifically start talking about the significant negative effect, uh, negative effects on the, uh, the health care system um, in regards to these ideas of lockdowns. What is, what is uh, do you want to build on that or do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the a number of negative effects on the healthcare system is like is kind of nuts. And when you go into some of the later chapter stuff, there's there's other there's effects that have to do also with just the testing. But you know, just to focus on just the lockdown stuff, right? You know, when you're when you're shutting down a hospital and just saying that basically anything, the only thing we're going to treat is COVID, then or what we're calling that, right? Mm-hmm. Then a lot of other things are going to go untreated. Like I think one of the statistics that was in there uh, in that first chapter or second chapter is like 740,000 like cancer screenings missed or something. And, and cause, and that's going to, you know, have a tremendously obviously negative impact on a disease that is like one of the most prevalent in the, in the country. Right. And kills the most the, among the most people in the country. So if you're stopped, screening for cancer, if you stop treating cancer, you have to look at the effect that that's going to have compared to whatever benefit you're perceiving. And even in with their assumptions of the benefit, you know, which is, you know, if we, if we shut everything down, people won't go outside and then they won't breathe on each other and then they won't get each other sick. Even under those assumptions, you end up with just incredible numbers of people who aren't getting, getting care. Right. Because like a hospital will reserve beds for what is called COVID and it won't take people in who have other problems. Um, and there are a lot of people with other problems. I remember like one example was Jim Brewer. He's like a comedian. I think he used to be on SNL and now he's like just famous on Instagram maybe, but 
Owen's talked about him a few times, but he, he had an example when he was on Joe Rogan. Like he had a friend who who was like an overweight guy, may, maybe diabetic, had chronic, like I think heart problems or something. And so he was on all sorts of medications and he goes in and they tell him, he goes in with like some other problem and then they tell him you have COVID. So then they stop treating it for everything else because COVID has like a specific set of protocols. And as they stop treating him, his condition just gets worse and worse. And they're just assuming that it's COVID and, and he, you know, deteriorates and deteriorates to the point where now they're like calling his family and they're like, you can't come in and say your last goodbyes. You just have to say it over an iPhone. And you're just like, this is worse than how they treat prisoners. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. And, uh, but because, you know, they had these protocols where they said, you know, we're not, if you're called a COVID patient, you have to get treated the way that we say a COVID patient has to get treated. You're going to have all these other diseases that end up just people just dying of them all. And, and that's what basically what the lockdowns kind of contributed to. And in the case of Jim Brewer's friend, like fortunately for him, he goes into a coma. They say he's going to, he's got no time left and he had, someone advocate for him that they got like a specialist in and they said, and the specialist was like, this guy's he's dehydrated. Like he's not, he's not dying of, of, of anything. He's just dehydrated. And so they just put him on like fluids and he got better in a couple of weeks or something. And so he, that guy could have been dead just because they, you know, weren't doing the normal things that they always do. And it's crazy. Well, well, but what's, yeah. What's interesting is, is I was in, uh, in New York when, because we were in New York City when all this went down, because we were living there. Yeah. We were in what, one of the epicenters, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I had, you know, my fiance, as well as good friends of ours that were all doctors in, in these hospitals. You were living there or you were just visiting, you were saying? Living. Living. Yeah. Living. yeah okay. So what was interesting was seeing how many people weren't getting their normal treatment and yeah. how many people got pushed to the wayside. And obviously the whole thing with the, the uh, ventilators, how many people were put on ventilators that were not supposed to be put on ventilators. I had a friend whose brother, he would get an obese yeah. and issues. These, it's not by coincidence that a lot of people with underlying conditions, you stop any of their treatments Obviously, a lifestyle change needs to happen. They need to make their changes. All this stuff. I'm not saying, yeah, it, you know, they they would not their own problems, of course. But it's when you mm -hmm. stop somebody's things immediately, cold turkey, or have them doing something completely different, it's going to have a major impact. But also having knowing that, and then on top of all the people I now know in that medical field. A lot of them are saying we're backed up years, months, years yeah. because of this. And thinking about from their point, it is overwhelming. It is a lot of work. It's more on their plate. And obviously for those who believe what's going on, it's scary. So now they're thinking of that too. I understand that. You know what I mean? I do as much as people nowadays want to bash doctors. Yeah. I do have, I do know a lot of doctors mm -hmm. that are good people that are just trying to do the right thing for what they know. So I, for me, it's yeah. like, I have that beauty of being in between because I can see that there are good people and it's like, Oh, they're telling me something that I know is wrong. They're bad. It's like, no, no, no. That's just what they know. And it's also like, yeah. you don't know what else they have on their plate. So 
it's just seeing this the spectrum right especially in like i said when we were in new york city um and i think that's an important point especially talking about the benefits it have on the, the system because i know for a fact that all these big hospitals they work on basically the lightest skeleton like of their infrastructure mm-hmm. all the time so if there's any influx yeah. of any kind they're they're fucked there's like that's a fact and so now when you're just bringing people in who feel sick and you're immediately calling it something right like covid then it becomes a thing where they're gonna be overwhelmed uh you know mentally but literally physically like they don't have the capacity to do it you know so there there, there are those pieces to it that um i wanted to just share because you know you're you're dealing with people who know this and they're wanting yeah. to build on that and take advantage of it. But anyway. I mean, I've never talked to a nurse who didn't agree with me, which is the craziest thing. You know, like mm-hmm. all the, as I was writing this and as I um, was experiencing it, I was like just thinking, you know, if I talk to a nurse or a doctor and share my opinion with them, they're probably going to call me nuts. But I, I've, my, my parents have a neighbor who's a nurse who left New Jersey because she was tr- so traumatized and couldn't be a nurse anymore because of what was going on there. And she, I, I considered, I mean, I've got so many quotes in here, but I considered like getting her, her take on it, uh, like in, in the book, but I was like, I just don't have time and there's not enough room left in this book. But, um, but yeah, there was her, there was, I got my Greek church here in Austin. Uh, I was talking to a lady who's a nurse who she's like, what's my, my aunt and uncle were like, he's an actuary. He's got opinions on it. She's like, what's, what's your opinion? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's even a thing. And she's like, wow. She's like, yeah, you're, you're, I think you're right too. Like this, I experienced, and like the number of times I've had that kind of conversation with a nurse, it's nuts. You like the average person again, would probably think I was just some, like that I was cons- uh, theorizing about conspiracies, but I, I'm not, I'm just observing them. You know, like I'm just really, I'm just watching them happen, and and uh, yeah, but in the so those, yeah, like you said, those people are good people. They don't, the thing is that they that people don't, I don't think, grasp about what a doctor does is they don't, at least in my understanding, they don't like observe every single study and, and try to look at it from a high level, right? Like they. They say like, I have this person who is sick with this thing. And so like, I need the best option to help them stop being sick with this thing. They don't, they don't discover the pandemic, right. Or if there is one at all, they don't, um, they don't identify the virus under the microscope. They don't do any of that. Um, and they, they're such busy people that you can't really expect them to do all that. Right. Um, so if somebody says that if, if, the CDC or some big organization tells them there's a new disease. It's like, I'm sure they don't really have a ton of reasons to doubt that. 100%. Um, at least at first, at least at first. Totally, Ben. Yeah. No, and, and, I, and I agree with you. And I think that's part of all of our points in this whole experience is maybe, you know, as frustrating as it is when you have people have different points of view, it's knowing, okay, well, where are they coming from? Right. And also not falling into the trap of being like, yeah, evil evil if you think one way evil if you think it's like no it's Mm -hmm. let's let's try to come from you know what me and woodshop talk about like gratitude like as much as it's frustrating or it might be annoying you don't agree with it's like is this person really bad or is this person scared or is this person you know 
not willing to want to hear this information because again if someone's reading this book and you know or any of these things and it waking them up to a bigger you know a bigger story let's just say of what's going on around here that like i get it that's scary for people that is a like you take mm-hmm. all those years of how you see the world and you completely turn it like and i know one talks about this and other people talk about it. it's like you got to give them something else to a new rug to stand on you know and it's uh it's not easy yeah 100 percent. a lot of us in this you know, the bears have all gone through it that's the thing exactly 100 percent yeah. Do you, do you want to add on that? Did yeah. you want to... No, no. I mean, yeah, like I said, the bears have all gone through it. That the thing is about it that's hard to do is like once you have gone through it, it's sometimes hard to like put yourself back in the shoes of someone who hasn't and figure out, you know, how to ease them into it. Cause for a lot of us, it was, it was, we were not eased into it. We watched like our favorite comedian get banned literally everywhere. And you know, undergo this like abuse that like we kind of dealt with also in a way. And now, especially in the COVID era, like we personally dealt with it more than we've ever personally dealt with it before. I mean, I got at the end of the book, like the very last chapter, I talk more about my experiences, but I, in, in October or no, in uh, August of last year, I was on my bachelor party because I got married last year. And I got a parasite while I was on my bachelor party. So I was going to the, like, I was just diarrhea for like weeks. And after two weeks, I was like, you know, I, this is not going away. So I was like, I need to get this checked out. So I scheduled an urgent care clinic appointment just to, you know, confirm that that's what it was so that I could treat it. I go to the urgent care clinic and they're like, uh, what are your, they asked me to write down my symptoms. I'm inside the place, right? Already. I'm already in there. I'm writing down my symptoms and my symptoms are diarrhea and just like a super mild cough. Like just not, not like a, you know, brutal cough, just like occasionally I will cough, which I don't usually do. So it was was a little, I just felt like writing it down because the cough was on there. They were like, uh, go out to your car. We need to triage you. Right. And I didn't know what triage meant. So I was like, is that like one of those things that aliens do to people? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but so I go out to my car and I'm sitting in the car and they call me and they're like, uh, they ask, they tell me to tell them my, what, what happened over the past couple of weeks. And I told them, and I was, I was like, maybe I have like alcohol damage because I was probably drinking a little too much while I was, while I was on my bachelor party. But, um, I assumed I was like 99% sure that what I had was a parasite. And so, that's what I told them. And I was like, I just need to get a fecal sample. The doctor on the phone told me to get a fecal sample. So that's what I need to do. And so they were like, uh, because you haven't had a COVID test and because you're not inoculated, we can't care for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and so like for the rest of that day, you know, I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, you know, that's, and, and I'm not, you know, we're obviously all of everyone in this community, our community is like the opposite of victim minded. So I was like, not, you know, uh, like it's the end of the world or anything, but it's traumatic. It's like when you get turned away from a doctor, when you're, when you, when you have something, when you're dealing with something like that, it's like, it's pretty wild. It hits you really hard. And if you can help people to not, to at least be prepared for that out possibility, right. Then that's, that's my goal in in writing this because now that we've lived through it it's like we have to help uh, i mean if we don't tell people about it 
well it's it was good about the book too and what would it's good about any conversation you're listening to uh even just ponder your own ideas it's when you have knowledge it really is power so is 100%. it change the way somebody else responds and acts not necessarily but it gives you the confidence it gives you as we say it gives you the the, I don't say power, but it gives you that that internal yeah. flame to know, like morally, I'm not I'm not doing wrong here. Like I'm actually doing right by standing up into who I am and knowing who I am, right? And with that knowledge, right? If you can sit there and someone can be like, "You can't do this," and it's like, "I can," but. Mm. Um, you have no idea, you know, and it's not to be condescending. It's just genuinely, that's the case, you know, kind of side note, I was trying to take my son uh, to uh, the aquarium. And it's, just, it's like a half indoor, half outdoor aquarium here. And they're trying to push, push back uh, masks and things like that here. And I go, and she's like, you need, you need to wear a mask. You need to wear one. I was like, I don't, but is it a law? And she goes, uh, no, mm-hmm. well, uh, the, Eat, you know, the governor mandated it. That's not a law, is it? But am I breaking? Like, is it breaking a law? And like, you're just very much like this. Like, like, is it? And she's like, no. But I was like, okay, so I'm not breaking the law. What? Why do I need to wear a mask? And she's like, and I kept doing it like this. She's like, well, because <laughs> a governor said so. And I go, yeah, but he says a lot of things. Like, but am I breaking the law? Like, I just. <laughs> she didn't comprehend it. And, and I wasn't trying to be mean, but I, I just needed her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Moments where I'm like, look, I'm not going to fight here with my son. Like I'm not, it's not my intention. I was like, we'll go. Like, I don't need to go in that bad. However, I was like, mm-hmm. you have that power of not being like, they're being this to me. They're doing this. It's going, no, this person right here really has no idea. And it's like, or yeah. people are just doing what they're told. And it's, you know, it really is going, Hmm. I have the knowledge of what's going on here. You don't. How do I act here? I, you know, yeah. I truly quote unquote have the upper hand. And it's like, do I act with kindness? Do I ask with, you know, do I act with uh, rage? And it's like, you know, having books like this or having this information that helps you go, man, I can show you quotes of, you know, Fauci's back and forth on his own statements to show you that he doesn't even either he knows what he's doing or he doesn't you know what i mean like so yeah it's like but you don't have that you have what like you said what's directly in front of you and that's all you have and and you know i hope you know it's like i wish you well yeah yeah you don't need to wish bad on them they're destroying themselves you know that's kind of what i have have been dealing with whether it's in the corporate or in the in the work world right you deal with that in in any babylon job like people that exclude you from things and you're just like you're excluding yourself from you're excluding yourself from things like that's what they don't really realize you know whether like twitter is a good example of that like they kick off all these people and now they need to in my opinion he's hired right elon they they bring in elon musk to try to revive their brand which is not going to happen um and yeah from i don't know yeah yeah but when you have the knowledge sorry there's no meaning it's the dumbest thing no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, no, Twitter's the worst. Uh, I pretty much only use Gab, but I don't even really use Gab a ton. I've never really liked the text-based social media just because I don't, you know, people, you get too many 
opinions from from people that you don't really care what their opinions are i guess you could say it's harder to segment it's harder to isolate like instagram i kind of like because it's super easy to isolate uh, your uh, not to isolate yourself but like to isolate your community right like so for example during during the thing that really got me going being somewhat public about about posting my knowledge about covid stuff was uh right at the beginning my then fiance um well wait a minute no we got married we got engaged later in that year so right at the beginning my then girlfriend was like right at the beginning started sending me articles by like vice uh which is just a, a propaganda rag about how much more you know uh contagious covid is and everything else and i was like you know if i'm gonna be a good husband i can't let her be afraid of this nonsense so i started just posting stuff specifically about how absurd it was and mostly like to try to just mock it and and try to cool down you know the, the fears you know she's she's amazing so like it didn't really take like she is smart enough to have seen through it really quick but there were people who were following me who i've been friends with forever who like just couldn't handle like one one guy he lives at home still and he's in like a house of seven and his mom was sick and no one else was sick in his house right mm-hmm. um and sh- and i'm teased he got really frustrated with me at first and he's like you know understandably right if you're if someone's if someone's saying something while your mom is sick um that's that's against that's against uh what you think is happening it's going to be frustrating so over the course of this conversation um because i had been posting them on my stories specifically because if you post it on your story there's no comment section where cancer conversation can happen it just has to be one-on-one if they want to reply and so he replies one-on-one and i just ask him a bunch of questions i'm like you know are you is she the only one in your house that's sick and he's like yeah and i was like okay and you know what is does she has she been sick recently he's like no but she's a hypochondriac and i'm like okay so she's a hypochondriac and and the media is like 24 7 pumping fear like what you know that does stress cause illness and he's like yeah and so we had this conversation where he's like slowly cooling down slowly cooling down and then by the end you know we're on a we we leave it off on a fine note a week or two later he messages me back and he's like he's like dude you know you're a smart guy i we've always been really good friends so i looked more into it and he's like it's all such nonsense and i was like it worked right and so I've had conversations that go like that, where the best thing that can happen is if you start out with trust. Like if you want to convince someone of anything, and this this is what Owen is really good at, is like laugh, making someone laugh is a great way to just build trust right off the bat. Totally. Like, and if you can get if you can get in the door like that, then you can go into the more, you know, dialectic things right you can go more into this to the science or more into the history or whatever you can convince them of like anything because now they kind of want to believe what you're saying where before that it just will not happen and i've had conversations where it didn't work out as well where i wasn't like you know and that's something that i work on as much as i can you know is trying to get better at that is to just right off the bat like another one another example and i'll I'll cut it short because again i ramble but another example is like somebody reached out to me and they were like, 
they gave me, you the, me the classic response, which is like, you do know this, right? Whatever the topic was. And I just responded to them and I'm like, is that, is that like a, what, a, what a, I said, like, what a horrible way of asking that question. <laughs> I didn't even address what they were saying. Like, I was just like, why, why are you, why are you talking to me like, like that basically? And right off the bat, they were disarmed. And then from there, like we were able to kind of have a better conversation, right. but instead of, you know, being like, no, it's this, or, or like, you know, responding in their tone. If you, if you disarm them first, especially if they know you and trust you already, then you're more likely to get somewhere with that kind of person. Well, and that's, and that's the thing about this, the, the internet, right. It's, it's, even if it's people, you know, it's a whole, it's still a whole different dialogue. And I mean, yeah. we've all had our fair share. And I know for me, like, you know, I definitely had some people who were like, Oh, I can see it. But then definitely having those people being like, look at this study, this and this. And I realized for me, cause I, you know, when I post stuff, uh, you know, I was like, I want to, I try to help people that are willing to listen but you get the people who just want to debate you. And I'm like, I'm not here to have a debate. And, and the reason why is not because I, I don't want to try to explain it, but it's, and I've told people this in conversation to go, what's happening is, is you're trying to get me to see your point. I'm not trying to get you to see it. I don't care if you don't believe me, then ignore me. And I would tell people all the time, I go, yeah. honestly, you don't have to follow me. And people are like, oh, it's such a cop out. And I go, no, I, I don't follow <laughs> me. I go, because I'm not, I'm not talking to you. Like I tell people, I'm like, you're yeah. not the one I'm talking to. And what would happen? hundred percent. One specifically was, uh, and again, I want to preface with, from what I know of this guy, I went to high school with him. We ran track together, cross country. Nice guy. Not a, don't have a single bad thing to say about this guy, but he's a doctor. And he was telling me all the stuff that he was seeing and he would try to send me articles and all this stuff. And then he was like, you know, and then I would be like, well, this is something worth mentioning. And he, he'd be like, it's, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. And I was, and finally, and I was like twice, finally I said, okay, look, dude, I go. And he, cause he was like, you're not really bringing anything. But well, what's interesting is, is everything that I'm bringing to the table, you keep calling irrelevant. So I go, we're not getting anywhere. I go, you're, you're, and he's like, well, and it's one of the things where I'm like, if I'm trying to rebut in all, you know, or explain my side and your immediate response is irrelevant and you haven't even looked into any of it, I go, that's like me looking at your stuff, not taking a moment to look into it, which I have, and me just saying, I don't care, or it's irrelevant. And what was happening, and I realized, and this is to my point earlier, is waking, again, why are you not waking people up? It's like, so what, like you're saying that there's nefarious acts and these people are behind it and all this stuff. And he goes, and I realized, he go, I know my rabbit hole. I go, this guy's not ready. I go, and when you go, yeah, you kind of have to look down those things because the logic for some of this isn't going to correlate. It's going, we're not going to get anywhere with this. And I yeah. don't, I don't, and, I, and honestly, dude, I realized for me, like truly, I don't, I don't want to be the person that makes somebody tweak out. Like, Cause that's a lot. And this is someone who's like, he's a little bit older than me, but it's like just spending all those years going through medical school to be done and to go, what the fuck did I just know? What was it for? <laughs> oh my God. You know, and, and, and I truly mean that. And so yeah. 
anyway, but it's just realizing that atmosphere is, is like, look, yeah, you're going to have some that people totally get it. And you can start, you know, sharing that gravy. But like you said, it, it's just trying to bring light to it, trying to be funny. Um, and I even realized when I would do stuff like that, even people would respond and they get mad. And then what I would notice, and this was an interesting thing, is, is when things that I was would bring up was showing to be true and the people that were quick to tell me how evil or whatever it was, stopped following me. And I realized most of the times yeah. that I care about the follows, but I realized just as an observation, going, when things that you present come to fruition or that you can't deny what is being said, people's response going, I'm done following this person. And you realize, and part of my growth was going, like, you don't have the audacity to say you're sorry. You don't have, and you realize it, for me, it's like, that's my weakness of going, no one knows you apology. They, mm -hmm. they might have a hard time dealing with what you said because they have to deal with how they responded. They have to deal with how their emotional baggage with the situation, you know, and people can't do that and you can't expect them to. So I had to come to terms with when I would see like, oh, okay, now they don't, they don't want to follow me. It's okay. I, I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? And just moving on and just having the rest of your day to, to grow. And, you know, again, as we talked before, be jumping on, like just create, just keep creating, you know? And so um, I'm all for that, but I do want to jump to uh, one thing because we did bring this up before, but I think this is yeah. interesting. So the last two years, uh, specifically in the 2020, uh, immediate propaganda talking about this is worse than the 1918 Spanish flu, worse than the 1918 Spanish flu. There's two parts to this that I want to bring up. First, I want to bring up what was said in 2008 in an NIH paper by Mr. Fauci himself that you brought up in the book about the pneumonia. And then this recently, just today, you were talking about this uh, account from a woman that was there during that time um, and what was said in this woman's account. Yeah, so. Because we all know. Um, we all know I, that talk. Yeah. We all know. Yeah. Um, I think that quote came up um, specifically in the chapter about masks. And, you know, so what, what, Fauci was basically saying was that the biggest killer was not the virus that they claimed was causing the Spanish flu. It was bacterial infections, right? And bacterial pneumonia. Yeah. Again, yeah. And again, when we look at this kind of stuff, right, I'm going to look at it through the context of germ theory. I can also explain the way that I think about it through terrain theory. I, again, I'm not even sure. Like I'm not a hundred percent one way or the other. I tend to lean towards terrain theory, but again, it's like the space thing. I don't know. I, I, a lot, a lot of it is just falsifying what's definitely not true. And so, but with back to, like bacterial infections obviously exist, you know, they, are they caused by bacteria? Like, you know, a lot of the times, like if you get a cut, for example, that's an, you have an open wound and bacteria will come and they'll be present. In, in large numbers, larger numbers than usual at that spot in order to, to, you know, correct something that's, that's the result of an open wound. But ultimately the cause was the open wound, right? The cause isn't the bacteria because they're responding to something. They're there as a response to something. It is, is killing them like 
going to keep you alive probably uh, or something, something along those lines. But again, that's kind of what I struggle with. Like, again, I'm not, I'm a math guy. I'm not a uh, microbiologist. So when I'm describing this stuff, I'm just saying what doesn't make sense to me. And what doesn't make sense to me is the, is the point where they say, this is present. So this is the cause, Mm -hmm. right? It's like if, if, and if it's like, if, especially with the way they count deaths, for example, you know, if you count deaths as anybody who dies 60 days after a test that shows whatever, and the test is a whole nother thing. But if you say, if they take a test, you test positive and you die 60 days later, it's like saying it and saying that, that the thing that you tested positive for is the cause it's, if you watch the scary movie, it's an example I give in the book. If you watch the scary movie and you jumped at the scary movie and then within 60 days, you had a heart attack. Did the scary movie kill you? No. Like, you know, and, and the jump, it, it would be like if jumping at the scary movie was your criteria of testing positive or not. Right. And if you watch a scary movie every day for a year, right. Which is what people were doing with the tests, whether it was for work or whatever, they were testing like every day, some people, then the mortality rate, of COVID, right, is going to become the mortality rate of you dying in a year. And so that's kind of what drives those numbers up because of how stupid they were looking at it. But anyway, back to, yeah, back to the bacterial side of it. With masks, it's it's interesting because the way that they argue for masks destroys the idea of wearing a mask. So like, for example, if you, they had a, they had an example of a fat in a fact check where they did an experiment where somebody put a mask over their mouth and then somebody did not And then they coughed into a Petri dish. Right. And the Petri dish that without the mask bacteria built up quicker than the Petri dish with the mask. And then they said, okay, this proves that the mask prevented the bacteria from, from going into the Petri dish. But then you're like, well, what's on the mask. Right. What, where did the bacteria, where is the bacteria forming? It would be forming on the mask because bacteria is larger than the pores in the mask. And so now you're breathing in this bacteria everywhere you go and it's going to be building up over time. And the crazy thing, like you said, is like they knew dur- during the time of the Spanish, or they, they, you know, claimed right during the time of the Spanish flu that people got a virus but then what really killed them was the bacterial infections that happened after that. And so you're just like, okay, so you're going to cover people's mouths with bacteria specific. And, and, and when they did analysis, when people did like in the 2020 did analyses of masks, they specifically found um, back. It was called like streptococcus or something like whatever that bacteria is called. And that's the same one. That's the same bacteria that they're, that they were acknowledging was the big, biggest killer during the Spanish flu. So you're just like, again, it's, it's incredible the type of things that they get away with saying and then right. and then recommending the opposite. It's like they're trying to, to kill you almost, you know, they're, cool. it's like they're, they're trying to speed that effect up. And it, it was like that with treatments also, you know, um, you know they, they would find like zinc, for example, st- uh, slowed down SARS viruses. And then they'd, they'd be like, zinc isn't enough. And, you're, it, and, and then you're just like, what? Well, and that, there'd and that, be papers on it. Just well, yeah, that's, go ahead. This is the thing about um, about what I said about deception and and all this is uh, you're going to tell people everything that they need to know, 
and uh, whether or not they look and try to do what you've done and connect those pieces, then they're not going to get the full picture. They're not going to be able to fully comprehend what's being said. And that's why I think this book is important because people can be like, well, Fauci, you know, said this. It's like, okay, well, look what also Fauci said. And you have quite a few quotes from him in this book about how he's so wishy-washy. And I'm kind of sidetracking, but we'll get to the Spanish flu. Um, you can yeah. put in your, your own opinion on why you think, if anyone's even listening to this guy, it's he's already um, confirming his, his he, like his, his credentials are, are invalid. Um, I don't know if you want to just extrapolate on that. Yeah, so I mean, Again, I, I did this a couple times in the book, but it's like if you, it doesn't matter which way you think. Again, if you if you think masks are harmful, which I'm pretty sure I objectively proved they are in the book, but but um, if you if you think that they're harmful, it obviously makes no sense that the guy who's he and and I there's a quote from him in 2019 where he literally laughs at the idea of wearing a mask, like laughs at the guy he's talking to when he suggests that and he and he Fauci says all the things that we would say right that you should just do the things that you know that healthy people do eat right don't smoke work out whatever uh then in 2020 he completely flips right and this is 30 something years into his career uh that he just suddenly starts saying masks work so even if you believe masks work um you have to be like why did this guy, what was he doing for the first 40 years, right? How did he get away? How did he get away with being this wrong about something this simple? Like, and it's because it would be the simplest thing, right? It doesn't require you to, to create uh, medicine or anything. You don't have to do anything. You just cover your mouth, right? It's like wearing a shirt, according to Bill Gates, or maybe he said it was like wearing pants. He said, Bill Gates, he said it was like wearing pants while he was wearing pants and not wearing a mask. So which was hilarious, but, oh, um, but, but, this, uh, but yes, go ahead. Real quick. This is what is so fascinating about it. And just when you start to use logic, it's going, okay. So this guy, as you said, 30 years saying, Oh, no big deal. No big deal. Now all of a sudden he's saying it's a big deal. Okay. Like you said, what is this guy's credentials? If you're now, you know, I mean, what were you doing these last three years? Now you get to this moment where it's like, okay, well, if now he is right, but the lowest amount of anyone getting sick, hospitalizations, you know, COVID positive tests, all this stuff are people who aren't really following all this. Then you're looking at him again going, okay, well, wait a minute. Logically, if this is the population of people that are doing well, and now you're saying this, were you right before? You know what I mean? It's like, logically... I mean, it's, it's, it goes without saying you're going to get to a point where we're going, somebody is being deceiving or lying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, you're looking, yeah, he either failed then or he fa or he's failing now. Right. It's right. one or the other. And either right. way, right. you know, to not raise your hand and be like, first of all, I didn't even, first of all, no one even really probably not, no one people did because of AIDS, but like barely anyone knew the guy's name before 2020. Right. And all of a sudden they trust him. And it's like, that's, that's the, the, the trust we were talking about before, right? Like what makes you trust a person? And, exactly. and that's, um, and I, and I, we're in a world where, and I've done my own podcast about this, where titles and titles um, and uh, labels are what 
drive our, our society and you yeah. said earlier about credentials um, because what happens is what is a credential what is a, a title or a label it's something that's given to somebody by others whatever in that world that think they are worthy of that title it's like a nickname no one gives themselves a nickname you're given that nickname by others because you've kind of embodied that title or that that name and so in our minds, we think yeah. oh, I'm working for a raise. I'm working for a promotion, which is nothing really more. Obviously, it's more, more. I wouldn't even say sometimes more obligations. It's a shift in obligation, but it's just a different hat. You're wearing a different hat. That's all it is in many ways. And so in our minds, we go, well, they've earned that in some way, or they've done enough research to do that, or they've done enough time and hours and i and i get it don't worry I, I get that it has validity but it's when you take it to the nth degree right like there's truth in that like okay you're you know you yeah. do your job like you have done this like you know the language you know what you're looking for i don't when you're doing your job but does that not mean i can't learn it and then start to build on it which a lot of people are doing now they're going okay well I, you know, maybe I can't trust Nick here on his opinion on this because I'm looking at what is he's presenting, as you said earlier. And even though he has this title, like in layman's terms, this part here doesn't make sense. And if you ask them a question about it and you completely disregard me and it's called me stupid, then it's like, okay, well, either it is that stupid and I'm just thinking too logically here or I'm missing something. You know what I mean? Or he doesn't want to answer that for a reason. And what we are seeing time and time again with these kind of questions is just that, is that people in this whole realm start to do that. And you even put in your book how people with titles were asking other people with titles these questions and they're immediately getting like, you're crazy, you're this, you're that. And you put that in the book um, and these are people in prominent positions. So it's going now titles are telling other titles basically shut up you, you yeah. know what you're talking about it's like hmm, but i think i do and just shut up i mean just shut up not like oh, yeah. not like here's why you're wrong it like literally just shut up like <laughs> and, and you know it doesn't matter even the number of titles like like with the great barrington declaration was one example uh which i signed personally personally like as a scientist but there's like because because I am, but there were like, I think like 60,000 scientists and doctors and people that signed 60,000. I mean, like, there's not even that many CNN couldn't pick out that many, you know, (laughs) or even close. They couldn't even pick out 10. Like, I mean, if you even, I don't even, the funny thing is, it's like, I don't even call Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci in this book. I don't call him doctor a single because he's not, he's not a doctor. He doesn't even the thing is that you would think, right, about someone like him is that he would refer to studies. He doesn't even refer to studies. Half the time he just goes on TV. This is a common thing with anybody who is involved in 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 the COVID collaboration. I don't even call it conspiracy. I call it collaboration because I think it's funnier. But mm-hmm. it's like the only what they all do is instead of producing studies, instead of proving what they're doing with studies. They go on TV and they use TV as their way of, and that's how you know they're not scientists. They're just salespeople. They literally are just salespeople. And whether it's Fauci or the CDC, anybody at the CDC, like like the the lady at the CDC was just trying recently, like probably saw to say that 
they decided that the inoculations were safe because they saw it on CNN. And you're just like, you know, again, that's either incompetence or a lie, right? It's one or the two. So, but either way, either way, right? You're guilty of a crime. (laughs) You know, you, you're, it doesn't matter which one it is. Even if you're stupid, like it doesn't help you in the situation. You, you endangered a hundred million Americans. (laughs) Like, and so- or at least, right? I think it was like two. So, well, well and, then, and yeah. I think what it is coming down to, and I think in a weird comedic way, is that it's basically being like, and I know Owen talks about this, but it's just like people being like, I'm going to tell you, and you still trust me. Like, it's that mindset where it's going, yeah, yeah. I, I, like they're messing with them. <laughs> my word as the director, we saw it in the CNN interview or, thing and we went off of that and not conspiracy this is the words and it's going if you still believe me and you still believe what we're saying and i honestly i think this is where it gets cynical in the sense of it's still being moral it's going like i told you we told you and you're still doing we we're still just talking we're still just trying to create fear it's like you know what i mean and i think that's exactly what yeah. it is and it, in my opinion it's going and this is why I even just stopped talking about a lot of it on social media going, there's no point. If, if these people are saying, and it's, it's open, it's continually open, and people are still doing it, it's like, look, that's their decision. They're going to keep following. They're going to miss those pieces and keep following the narratives or the, the collaboration. You know, it's like, great. It's, it, who am I? I mean, if you're not going to even hear yeah. that running this thing telling you that they did you know whatever or they're taking it from this or Fauci's changing his mind every five seconds and you're just gonna it then that's that's your fate like you're you know may, you know make it becomes a choice yeah and that's and it's not to be negative it's just really going like it, my job is not to save you it's like but your book and i think what's important to bring back to the book is, is it's giving those who have questions concerns wanting wanting to be able to look like you said look back on this time and be like no this is what happened because i always think about that with history like if you hear history right and now we know that a lot of history the lie agreed upon to go back to that time and be like what actually happened we're in one of those big times where it's like someone's going like well what actually happened during those out like those hours and it's like your book is basically going like here's what was spoken Here's what was brought to the table. Yeah. An objective view on all of it. And you come up with your own decisions, your own conclusions on this. And that's, uh, you know, I wonder if there is a book in the 1918, you know, about the 1918 Spanish flu, like during that time that was made. And maybe there is. Um, but to bring it back to that, you were talking before we got on about there was an, an encounter of someone at during that time whether it was like a memoir, I don't know exactly what, but do you want to share that in a story? Yeah, I don't remember the name of, of, there's two books that I know were mentioned in Virus Mania. I mentioned at least one of, if I mentioned the second one, I think I just mentioned the name of it at one point, but there were two books that that they mentioned in Virus Mania, one by the author Eleanor McBean, who um, she was writing about when she was a child. That's the one, I don't remember the name of her her book that she wrote it in but she it was in some kind of book where like i said with her town 
her family was the only one that did not get any inoculations and they they were like us like more like natural medicine based like they understood that if you put something inside of you it's a disruption right it's a disruption um to your body and you can't really do that without getting sick in some kind of capacity so um she would yeah she told her story of that time and um basically what she told was that you know at the end of world war one um was like one of the largest inoculation campaigns ever at that time they were inoculating the soldiers who were coming back for like the plague and for all sorts of things and she said when they came back they just that's they just all got those diseases like there were young men who were getting polio which polio is like I think it basically is similar to paralysis or something along those lines. And, and it was like an infant disease. Like it was something that, you know, mostly children, children would get most. And, and, you know, in, in my opinion, based on what I've read from virus mania and stuff, it seems almost certain that that's like a toxic related thing. Also, like if you look at um, in virus mania, they have two charts and one of them's like a chart of DDT production and use in the U S and DDT is like something they use to spray on kids' heads for lice and to, to get rid of lice. And also they, uh, it was used on uh, vegetables or something. It was used as like an insecticide or something. And if you look at the chart of DDT production, it's like literally one-to-one with the chart of polio in the U.S. Like it would drop off like right in the 40s, it started to drop off and then polio dropped off and then they were both super low. And then that's in the sixties is when they introduced the polio shot. Right. right. So, so then it looks like, Oh, the polio saved the day. And then it's just right. And then, flat. And, well, and that's, and that's yeah. the thing too is, is uh, for those who do studies or have looked up these articles, you know, you can tell something and like, that's the go-to for people why it's important to get, you know, injections and they go, well, look at polio. That's always the one that everyone's always brought up and you go, you know, you try to tell someone like, look, it was already dropping off. It was already yeah. popping off in the 40s. And there's proof of that. And people are like, wait, what? And it's like, and then you could talk about DDT. Talk about, um, I believe it was also originally there's, you know, like moths or gypsy moths that were infesting and they were spraying something on those, like a, some sort of, uh, like an aluminum of some kind. I, not, I can't recall, but my point is, is that there are, a lot of these different uh, historical documentations to show that like, look, that's not the case. Like what you're saying is not the case. And you said with this woman in the Spanish flu, she was like, look, we're the only ones who didn't get it. There's a huge campaign. These are guys coming back that are getting sick with the things that they were supposedly safe from. You said that even too, she mentions that she, her family were going house to house to help people and again, nothing happened. Yeah. Well, look at look at today. All the doctors and all the doctors in the town were like sick, is what she was saying. Like all the doc, like the doctors in the town who all got the shots were sick, and so nobody was there to care for anybody. So her parents would go house to house to house, and then they would they'd be exposed to all these people, and then they'd come home, and no one, none of the kids ever got sick, or none of the family ever got sick, even though they were exposed to all the people. I think it was yes, it was that book by Eleanor McBean. It's cited in in the book what the actual book was called, but that one. And then also voodoo medicine was another one. I don't remember the name of the author of voodoo medicine, but that's another one of somebody who was around, I think at that time and went into a lot of that stuff. 
Well, and, and this is the thing is, is it's going, okay, that was then, you know, let's take a look at now, right? And this goes to your friend, right? About someone in the family gets sick and other people who don't. And this is my biggest thing. And it's not to argue people, but it's just genuinely logical questions of going, okay. Yep. You know, I know, you know, someone who got COVID or whatever the case is, but then you see other people around before inoculations even, and they go, okay, well, why didn't they get sick? Well, maybe because they weren't in the same room long. Okay, well, they were in the house together. Well, maybe they weren't in there for 15 minutes. Here. Okay, well, well then if somebody walks into a store quickly and then leaves, then they get, well, maybe the strand was worse there than it was at the house. Okay, but they're really sick. So wouldn't that mean it's, you know, I mean, so you start to do this game and what I, not game, but just asking questions and, I've noticed with certain people where you do that and then they ultimately get to, well, maybe they just had, they were just, they didn't have as many issues. They didn't have as many underlying issues. They didn't have, they weren't as unhealthy and so on. Okay. Exactly. Now here we are. Then what's the cause? Then what's the cause then? Right. (laughs) Is it because it's the worst deadliest thing or is it because of something else? And at first, right, where we saw a lot of people is going, it's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill me you know, or kill people around me. And then you started to see a shift to then coming, well, I'm not worried about like dying. I just don't want to get sick. So it's like, okay, follow the same logic from where you are here to here. If you just don't want to get sick, is this here, but over here is, I don't want to die. Why is the emotional response the same? Logic, yeah. that makes no sense. Because you know what Cause I've even had people, you know, that I know and uh, they're still in New York and they're like, Oh <clears throat> yeah. I want to be really careful. Like I don't want to get anyone else sick or die or this and that. And then, you know, they'll wear masks, but then later on they'll go to gyms or they'll go places and they're like coughing up a storm. I'm like you good. Like, Oh yeah. My doctor said I just have a cold. <clears throat> and I'm and, and for me, I'm laughing. Yeah. I'm just like, isn't that crazy how, if now over here, oh, I just want to get sick. I just don't want you to get me sick. But it's a different title of sickness, right? COVID, cold, COVID. You know, you realize yeah. you know, this doesn't. And again, you and I, I'm not even mad. I'm just going. You can't logically make that makes no sense. But it's not supposed to. If if you're looking at it logically, and I think in many ways, and I know Owen's talking about this, where it's telling people, like they're kind of in a way being like, to people who wake up being like. We are trying, you're good. Just don't engage. <laughs> like They're like talking yeah. over here. It's like, seriously, like there is no logic here. Like keep doing what you're doing. I'm not saying they're good people. I'm just saying in many ways, there's like an undertone of that. It's like, you're, you're, you're actually doing the right thing here. You're, you're not, uh, you're not engaging or you're not uh, buying in. So, but, um, but anyway, I just, I thought that was interesting. Um, now I we have a little bit of time on yeah, that. I was just gonna say, say really quick. Yeah. I was just gonna say really quick, my family's from New York too, so I, I get that the that place has lost its mind. <laughs> place a lot of people there have lost their minds. <laughs> it's and, and here's the thing, man. I, I feel for a lot of I do honestly feel for a lot of people, man, because it's when again to, your identity becomes a city, a lot of people. Like they're like, this is yeah. home, right? And I get it. Um you know, you're in, I was there for almost 10 years and you realize you're like, 
this this energy of this city, man. Again, it's all perception, but it's like it's a it's a heavy energy, man. And if that's all you know, and you know, you can't let that go on top of that heaviness of it. By all means, man. Yeah. Good luck in you know, but it just yeah. or were they in the city, city, or was it? Uh, uh, some of a couple of them live in the city, cities for some reason. I I'll never understand. again. It's like you said. It's just pride in in like what New York City, the idea of what New York City is, right? Like they just they just really they love that, and that's that's fine for them. But the the, the funny thing is, is like in twenty twenty, you know, you it, the it affects the mind, right? Like they would start a group message because like governor Cuomo was like, start group messages with your families instead of seeing them. It's like, Oh God. So then they would start this start, start a group message. And then they'd be like, you know, and then the, the, the thing in Minnesota happened. Right. Uh, so now they would basically have uh, lockdowns during the day because of the, the COVID. And then at night they would have uh, uh, curfews because the city was dangerous because people were freaking out about uh, George Floyd. So, and, and they're sending this in the group message. And I'm like, you're in jail. <laughs> yeah. What did you do wrong to get in jail? You know, like you can't even leave your, <laughs> you can't even leave your house. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I have a whole chapter on that too, about the psychology, you know, like people just, there, there's a, so many funny examples of just how people lose their minds. And it's kind of hard to balance between laughing and, and um, trying to understand and trying to inform those people. But yeah. Uh, and, and that was the thing that was so interesting to me is, how illusions work um because when we were there we were actually we ended up staying with a friend right out on the other side of the city in uh in uh not jersey city um the northern part anyway it was in jersey right across the bridge mm -hmm. and um i just was laughing because you know we would go and everything was the scariest thing but you saw every doorman the bagels or the the French bakery lay baguette was still open. Starbucks was still open. And I'm just looking, I'm like, this place is exactly closed. This place is closed. <laughs> they made me laugh because I I made a I remember back then I made a comment about it and one of my buddies, good friends too, he was like, well, they're not open here in the city because he was in actually sitting. I go, Well, I'm across the bridge and it's open. And I go. Yeah. And sure enough, not too long after they were opening up. So it's like, so, and this is obviously the whole frontline workers and like Starbucks is like part of the frontline because people, again, under fear, it's like, I, 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 I look, we're in lockdown. We're hundred percent lockdown. However, I still need to get my Starbucks. I need a coffee. I need to get my <laughs> venti cappuccino, hold the skim milk. I hate when I go to the one on 58th street because they always check up my orders. So I need to make sure the one over on 43rd is open, obviously, because they also have this little thing they do with the cinnamon that I really like. Yeah, they have the lollipops too. They have the like yeah, we're the can, uh, cake pops. <laughs> but we're in a serious And for me that I just couldn't fathom, like I couldn't grasp that it were so severe. However, I mean, I need Like I can't yeah. not have my coffee. I mean, yeah, we're in a pandemic. So like for me, I can't not be unhealthy when I can't not be unhealthy when a when a pandemic is going on. I mean, yeah. come on. Right, exactly. Good and thing they closed the gym, but I need my Starbucks. I just need it. And that's and that's, that's what's funny enough is I heard people saying, like, well, we still have to live. That was the big thing I heard. Well, you still need to live. <laughs> Interesting. I agree. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. 
but it's interesting your, how you they process that. And again, it's not bashing. It's yeah. just one of those things that for me it was going. I, I can't. I can't get behind what you're saying. I, res- I respect it, but like, I think you're missing the bigger picture. So your book does a lot of help people navigate what's going on, getting their thoughts in order, getting the ideas, the concepts, at least whether or not they want to believe it. That's fine. It's your decision. As you say, you can come to your own conclusion, but it's yep. knowing like, look, I'm just giving objective evidence, stats, everything. You're like, this is what I do for a living. Therefore, here it is in the book. I'm taking my credentials, my skills, and just showing you what I've noticed. Now, what you do with that is your decision. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, there's so many other things, but I, I can't go too much more. But is there anything you wanted to kind yeah, of yeah. We can, any questions? Yeah, or That's fine. Yeah, I wanted to know questions about, I wanted to ask you questions. So I want to get to know you a little yeah. better too. Yeah. So like, first of all, how, how long have you been like a bear, I guess, is the first thing. What made, and also what made you kind of like start pat life? Was it go, what, how do you pronounce, do you say goda or do you call it go, go oh, out? Yeah. Or something? yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. So, first, what kind of got me in the bear community was, you know, was listening to Crowder back in, you know, 2016 and 2015. And, you know, I'd see, you know, Owen go up on there and uh, do this stuff. I'm like, this guy's really funny. And I, you know, I'd seen him in a house funny. So, like, I'm like, all right, I'm aware of uh, this guy. I didn't really look, listen to too much of his comedy, but I knew who he was. And so I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then so I, uh, as I was seeing the stuff with like, Crowder being weird and like the stuff of like, you know, just like his energy. Like I just like, man, there's something not right here. Cause I went, cause I went from listening to like the Young Turks to yeah, you know, realizing like, man, this is aggressive. Like I was just kind of like, something's not right here. Listen to Rogan, like something's not right here. Something seems off. Like I feel like I'm getting taken down on this path. And then I, yeah, and then I was listening to Crowder and I was like, getting the same vibe. And then all of a sudden I, I was like, okay, well, I, I listened to some of Owen's shows, but I wasn't like really listening. Um, and I was like, man, this guy's not there anymore. Like, I just, I'm like, what's going on? I mean, I've been listening to some of his stuff. And then yeah. I, I kind of was like, I'm going to go over here and listen here. And I just kind of just was a listener for a while. And even when I like, I wasn't even trying to like get into the bear community. I just like to take information. And then it wasn't until kind of same to be honest, man, it was realizing like it's time. And he was talking about tribes and communities. I was like, well, this is, things are looking shaky. The people in my life here in New York city, I don't see the same, the world the same as a lot of them. And that's cool. But I'm like, I need to kind of like build a tribe. Like I need to be, if things are going to get crazy and this is before all this happening, this is why I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the bear community is like, like, I want to, I do want to surround myself with people that are willing, that want to work hard, that are go-getters, um, but also have skills that I don't like, I would like to learn from a lot of these people. And so sure enough, you know, as time went on and, you know, kind of all this hit, it was at first, I was just still, still a listener, but like not engaged in the bear community, but just continually listening. And then I was like, okay, like I need to put myself in the ring with a lot of these people and just at least try to get to know them more, um, and make that effort and so yeah so that's kind of how my journey was and then it kind of really took off too when i started this podcast in 2020 when uh i reached out to barnett just to be like hey man i would love to pick your brain about stuff um because i really like what he was saying and he's like you know oh yeah i'll do a podcast with you and i didn't have a podcast i wasn't planning on doing a podcast i just wanted to 
pick his brain and he was like, yeah, let's do one. That's awesome. So again, I was like, all right, let's roll with this. Let's, let's take it and run. And sure enough. Um, yeah. And then that kind of led to me being like, all right, let me reach out to more people. Let me do this. And, you know, now we're here. So, uh, you know, for that, I'm, I'm super grateful. So. Awesome. And then, and then, so at what point did you, I guess, have oh, you always been into go, like Goda? Or no. So yeah. my buddy, so my buddy, Rob Edwards, who has a podcast called dig within, um, him and he's also like an actor writer background like i do and we and he reached out to me through youtube after seeing the stuff with barnett and kind of wanting to pick my brain so we became like really good friends because of it anyway so he and i we always go back and forth just when we still text each other being like hey i'm bringing this person on you know would you want would you want them on your show or hey i have someone who i heard something about that you might be interested in and so he reached out to me being like i'll listen to this podcast with this woman who does like natural birthing, who just actually had on his show. And he was like, um, she brought up something about Goda, like for training and like uh, birthing. And he's like, do you, do you know anything about this? And he knows my background in training. And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, so he's like, yeah, I'll send it over. So he's, that's how I found out about it. And I was like, immediately, I was like, yeah, let's roll with this. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just yeah. been really studying it and learning it. And, you know, obviously always looking for growth and, Funny enough, you know, I just posted my thing about Goda um, and uh, Ricky, one of the guys who's like the head coaches, reached out to me on, uh, we have like a, a different app that we do a lot of the communicating for the Goda stuff. He reached out, he's like, hey man, here's just, here's some of the stuff where I saw you, your post, you made, you made some errors and here's why. So I took the post down, not because I was like, anyone was talking bad, but it was more, yeah. I, I still have a lot to learn. And I'm still not seeing all the pieces, which is good. And I, for me, it's like, he's like, look, I'm not going to bash you. Like, I, I want you to learn. You know what I mean? I want to show you. Because if yeah. we're going to be putting ourselves out there, like I do want to make sure we're putting out the right information. So we're leading people on the right path. And everything you said was spot on. And, and so that's what's cool is about the community. It's like, you know, all these different fads go at it after each other. But it's like, what I like about them is there's such an attention to detail is so precise that it's not like they're like, if you're posting videos online of you doing Goda and it's not Goda, like we don't want you to do that because that's not Goda. And, and it's not about being, yeah. it's, it's about like, kind of like the territory times app. Like we have a standard, like if it's not falling in our standard, it's not allowed here. And, you know, I respect that. You never, I was like, Oh, you know, censorship and you talk about it in your book it's like to a degree there's a reason like okay this is the rules this is the rules but if you're going to follow the rules for one it needs to be across the board and that's what a lot of these censorships don't do but um but yeah, yeah yeah i mean with censorship and covid you know it's, it's not like i'm actually kind of for echo chambers at this point i'm like you know i don't want to be around like that's that's the thing with uh with uh you're saying Crowder, right? And before I, I had the same path to find finding Owen. It was like listening to Crowder and Shapiro and you yeah. know, because you hear what they're saying and you're like, wow, like those people they're talking about are crazy. But what I realized after I started listening to Owen was like, I didn't even know that those people existed before Crowder and Shapiro. Like I heard them saying it and I'm like, wow, that exists. Thank mm -hmm. God for these people because they're like a normal people in the world of these crazies. But they actually kind of like made the crazy relevant. 
like mm-hmm. in a way that it probably wouldn't have been at all. So it's almost like they created that kind of thing. And, and when it comes to censoring that from your own life, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to know like what these degenerates are doing. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't want to know what they do day to day. And, but you know, with, with science, it's, it's a, when, when you're talking about questions of that, you're trying to figure out something that you're, you're trying to get to the truth of something you don't want censorship. Cause then, you know, it'd be like saying, uh, we should, it'd be like flat earthers saying we should censor globe earth. That's not good. Cause then you, you can't learn, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, so with, with Goda, you're saying you were a trainer, like a fit, like a fitness trainer. Mm-hmm. And so is Goda like, it is just like a more like the movement folk, like the like types of movements you're making. It's got more of a focus on that. Like what is Goda? Yeah. So, so essentially Goda, their goal is following the, what they would call like the global laws, but the laws of this realm. And there's a math to this realm, right? There's a sacred geometry. They talk about, uh, you know, phi. they talk about, the, the golden uh, the golden ratio is the same thing. We talk about the Fibonacci sequence. They're talking about these vortexes in the body. They're talking about a lot of these different, uh, like I said, this geometry that's occurring, that's creating motion, that's creating everything that we see. You see it in trees. You see it in water. You see it in tornadoes. You see it in the way we well it's supposed to be the way we move. You see it every which way. And so, yeah. what their focus is is trying to teach people movement based exercise you're focusing on the movement rather than the exercise itself and what i mean by that is gotcha. if i'm like oh i need to do bench like i need to do bench because i need to work chest you're focusing on the exercise and i noticed this when i was training this is that when people would train and do something i go they would have a preconceived notion of like where i want to feel like when i'm doing chest they think i do in the chest but I get people who bust out moves and I go, okay, where do you feel it? And they go, I don't really know. So what's happening is, is they're so focused on exercise. Yeah. They're not used to handling the stress of that movement. And so their body kind of escapes them. And they're like, I'm not even focused on where I'm feeling it. I'm just moving through this exercise because I'm, I'm told this is supposed to work my chest. And where with Goda, they're like, we need to focus on movement-based in the sense of taking away this concept and this notion of modern exercise of cadaver science, because they're looking at it as a as what we would call a cadaver science. They go, okay, we're going to work our sagittal plane. This is modern uh, training. We're working sagittal, we're working our lateral and our transverse. We're mm-hmm. working these three planes of motion. You need to incorporate that into your training regimen, a lot of people say. Now, people who do powerlifting, they don't really want to do all this other stuff, but that's a whole other conversation. All that being said is it's going, the body doesn't actually work like a cadaver because a cadaver has no life. It doesn't have life form. It doesn't have the natural energetic response that you would get in nature, right? It's literally dead. If I'm going to move it, it's not going to move through a forward motion you know, where it's, it's moving again in this, again, this vortex is oscillation, which is the same oscillation that you get in the heart. And I've, you know, I've had uh, Frank Chester on my, my podcast twice to talk about the heart specifically and all the, the gravy with the heart. So go to essentially going, we're going to focus on the, the, the life, the sacred geometry, and then moving through that geometry. What are those? And they talk about what they call the go to laws or the, 
the laws here. Now, they're not saying that they're the ones creating it. They're just taking what's already out in nature and they're saying this is how nature works or what we've gathered nature to work. And they're always fine tuning when they're off about stuff. They're like, hey, we're wrong about this or hey, this isn't quite what we wanted. We see that this isn't as beneficial. This doesn't have the same. It's, we, we're wrong. Let's, we're going to adjust it. So that mm -hmm. I appreciate. But what they talk about yeah, is... that's awesome. So what they do talk about is they go, at the end of the day, if you look at any baby, if you look at any like Bushman, tribesman, as well as any like pro athlete who doesn't get injured from non-contact injuries, because obviously if I swipe your knee and you get a knee injury, like that's a contact injury. Like those are going to happen. There's not much you can do. But if you look at the non-contact injuries, not just in athletes, but in any of the modern man and woman, you see that what's causing that non-contact nothing else they're they're moving through space and time is what's caused injury so what is the reason and so um what they're focusing on and looking at is these laws of okay well what does all the babies bushmen and again pro athletes who don't get injured what do they have in common well first and foremost a lot of them have a narrow stance they have a narrow base of support where that second toe is facing forward meaning that's their guiding point mm -hmm. They're not opening up like this, which a lot of people do. And the reason why when you're open up like this and you have like a duck feet, a lot of people have is what it starts to do is the pressure gets put on the inside of the foot. So you're collapsing that arch Well, your foot has a natural arch for a reason. So when I'm in this narrow stance, I'm utilizing the actual foot the way it's intended. I'm using that arch to my benefit. I'm actually supported on that arch. So that you gotcha. Yeah, when that makes sense. When I'm on that arch and I'm utilizing that part of my foot the way it's intended, as you can see it even in your palm right here, yeah. I'm not only now on the actual structure of my foot it's intended, but now my ankle will sit with an inside ankle bone high. That inside ankle bone high is the natural placement of the foot and the ankle complex, the foot and ankle complex. It's important because when I'm in that position, I'm now putting pressure here on my foot, this right here, and your palm, as well as your foot, the sole of your foot is your pivot point. There's a pivot point here. When I'm pivoting, like in baseball, I'm pivoting yeah. through that fourth fifth. If, mm -hmm. if I'm using the foot correctly, you can still pivot and not use that. But if I'm actually utilizing these, these vortices in my body, that pivot point is in that fourth fifth. Makes that sense. Goes up, that goes up the chain, like a spiral through the ankle up through the knee, which is creating basically like a joystick if used properly from the foot to that knee. And then it's falling through into that hip and shoulder joint, which is then essentially sending that wave up through my, my midsection and through my arm. And what you're seeing like in that picture I, or that video I showed you about that picture, when you see the movement and I'm not utilizing that spiral, that energy wave, what we call a pressure wave, well, that energy leaks in other places. Most times it becomes the knees or the elbows, which is why you're seeing an increase in ACL tears, not contact injury to ACL tears, which is why you're seeing an increase in MCL tears. You're seeing Tommy John surgeries left and right, especially in younger pitchers, is because the foundation is not there. They don't have this narrow base of support. Everyone's opened up because of the training methods a lot of these people are doing. And they're training this method. They're also training Again, inside ankle bone, though, but they're, they're training uh, what we consider what's called a front chain dominance. 
everything's in their front chain, everything's being, their hips are driving forward instead of being behind them, supporting them. Because in all sports, everything is forward motion. Other than deadlifting, everything is forward motion. The, so yeah. we're training, you know, these squats, which are supposed to be back chain, but we don't have the foundational support to get you into this position. So everything, again, forward pushing, you know, and now when you do straight bar, deadlifts, a lot of sense. when you do straight bar deadlifts, again, it's a front chain move. What do they always tell you to do? Don't round your back. Don't round your back. Don't round your back. But the problem is, is when you have that weight forward, that heavy weight, what it's, you know, it's not the weights on the outside. What starts to happen? Your body is trying to stay forward, but that weight is so heavy. So you have to lean back. So now you're on your heels. So even though your butt's behind you, in order to compensate and counteract that, your hips have to go forward. You can't yeah. stay that chain. They have to drive forward to get that weight up. And that's why they'll say lock it up. So you keep pushing everything front chain. But the issue then becomes, right? When you look at everything's forward motion, now you're training your body to be in that front chamber on your heels. So it just becomes a recipe of this constant uh, habits and patterns that are just being fed into injury. And uh, they use a lot of slow motion video to show that. And that's what you were watching in uh, the recent Instagram video. But yeah, I saw that yeah. and really analyzed it. And for me in my training world, seeing that things were making sense and, you know, I was like, we're having all these people do these things and people aren't feeling it. How do we get people to feel certain movements? How do we get them connected with the body and realizing, well, maybe we're looking at the body completely wrong um, or we're missing a bigger picture. And I feel my opinion that Goda is that missing pit that that was that missing piece. And it's very simple. It's going back to nature. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. I've been, I mean, obviously part like a, like a, we've talked about, you know, like it's, become more and more of a focus for me on, on natural health and stuff like that. Like I've started going to chiropractors and stuff. And, um, so I would, I'm, we'll, we'll definitely talk probably again another time in the future. Like once, once you're towards the end of the book and I'll ask you more questions about it then just for now. Uh, and before we wrap, like, um, you and you said you were working on like a program for go to with anchor bear, right? How close are you guys to like, uh, I guess. So, implementing yeah. That. So I'm just, he just had, uh, his daughter. So he's kind of been a little bit busy, but we're, I'm just kind of waiting that we're setting up the finish up that part of the website. Um, I'm kind of yeah, just trying to coordinate getting the last pieces in order to, um, you know, basically set up a payment process so we can set that up and then organize it. So that way, when I start putting stuff out there, um, yeah, everyone can get on pretty easy and it's easy to manage. Um, but like I said, we just, uh, and, you know, obviously rightfully so we've had a, to take a back seat to it just because, um, he's been helping his wife and they yeah. have a couple of kids. So, um, but once that, like I said, we're, it's, it's still, it's still on the front burner for me. So once, uh, once that's done, I'll obviously let everybody know ASAP. Um, so that way we can get it going and then I can start sharing that info with people. Awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe next time we talk, you'll be real close on that. My book will be close to be coming out. So. Dude, it's cool. Uh, it should be exciting. Dude, well, so where, where can people find you and uh, when can they look out for this book? Yeah, so uh, my handle and my website are both NB Austin book, NB Austin books. So that's NB Austin books.com. And my handle on Instagram is NB Austin. Um, or you could search Old Wise Bear too, and I'll, I'll probably pop up on Instagram. 
but um those are the two places uh you can like subscribe to my blog and i don't know for sure uh, the date yet you know like obviously people are uh, beta readers like right now like you for example are, are reading through it and um looking for endorsements before i publish I probably my goal is by the summer either the middle or end of the summer should awesome, be man. publishing i love it man well i appreciate your time i appreciate your uh your hard work and uh i'm looking forward for when uh, this gets out there and uh, for those who are interested like i said go follow uh nick here and i uh, can assure you, you won't be disappointed but um but again thank you brother i appreciate it and uh yeah thank you for joining us everyone we'll see you next time yeah Bye, guys.